Let's get real and take us back to the day when I was a special education teacher. That seems so long ago. Um, I was fresh out of college. I was in my 20s. Oh, to be 20 again. But I remember wanting to do big things as a special education teacher. I wanted to not only impact the students that I had, but I just, I wanted to change and everything about special education. I wanted to be the teacher that my brother didn't have. I wanted to be the teacher that inspired other students to love those with disabilities and include them in everything that they did. And that's probably why I'm probably more going down memory lane with my next guest because it's about 12 years ago when she was just a oh eighth grader in my classroom and I started this peer mentor program um, in the middle school I was a self-contained special education teacher and I decided to start a mentor program for eighth grade students to come in to my classroom and build relationships and um, have meaningful purpose behind skill building as it related to social skills and I'll never forget this story of Lauren Tucker being an eighth grade student and she was next to her best friend still to this day a best friend I'm sure you're going to learn about that and her and, and it was Carly and Carly has cerebral palsy and Carly's in a wheelchair and nonverbal. And Carly wears a handkerchief around her neck um, because part of cerebral palsy is this drooling, um, uncontrollable drooling sometimes. And so we would use the handkerchief to, to help with that. And I'll never forget watching two 14-year-old, I think that's how old they were, students in front of me, two girls, one being Carly, one being Leah, or Leah, one being Lauren, and... Lauren asking me after that class, the the bell rung, Lauren came back to me and she said, why does Carly drool? And I was just very honest with her about her disability and what that looked like and and how that was. And um, the very next day, as Lauren sat next to Carly, um, I saw her take her bare hand and wipe Carly's face Um, with her bare hand as a 14-year-old eighth-grade student who had never been around someone with a disability. And at that moment, I knew that little girl that I saw was going to do incredible things because she got it and she loved it and she was intrigued by how to change Carly's life. And that is going to gear us up for the next episode Um, of the Pieces of Me podcast, so you're not going to want to miss her inspirational story. You are listening to Pieces of Me. My name is Amanda Owen, and I am feeling old today as I introduce this next guest because it takes me back to the piece of me when I was a special education teacher and she's now an adult but when I look at her I I still think of her as a child Um, so get ready for a pretty inspirational impactful podcast um, 
of this episode. And if you don't want to miss any future episodes, feel free to go on and subscribe to Pieces of Me. You can do that through anchor.fm or on Google Playlists, Spotify, iTunes, um, However you listen to your podcast, we are wanting you to listen to us in the future. So that is Pieces of Me. You are going to also um, be able to get a free download after today's podcast by going on to piecesofme.org and make sure you give us your email so we can send you the free download for today. Um, So let's just get right to it. I have guest Lauren Tucker that traveled to be with us today. And super um, excited as now she is a special education teacher. And um, I met her, like I said earlier, as a peer mentor, eighth grade, 14-year-old, very naive, um, very special woman that she has become um, and has played a role in all of the pieces of me at this point, um, in all of my journeys down the way in the last 12 years. Yeah. So, Lauren, let's um, enlighten the listeners today of kind of your journey leading up. You don't have to go way back, but of the journey of life alongside those now with disabilities and becoming a special education teacher kind of share leading up the life of lauren tucker oh the life of me oh you're not a tucker anymore no i'm not i was just about to say that's not my last name oh my gosh you can you can specify what's your last name lauren tucker Um, it's a maya now but it's okay just call me law that's got to be easier i might not i might not be able to remember that but go ahead that's okay um so obviously i grew up in owensboro you know, classic little little child went to school. I was the first grader that said, I'm going to be a teacher when I grow up, but I only wanted to teach math. That's what I said. And I stuck to it until seventh grade, technically. Seventh grade me, I think I got kicked out of my class because I was bugging my teacher too much. And she sent me to your classroom before the program was a thing and just said, go see if you can help. So I went over there and I had met a few students and I don't remember what I did. But I think I just, like, played a game. I worked on time with someone. And then the next year, you started your program and said, we're going to let eighth graders come into our classrooms and just hang out and be a friend. And it was like an extracurricular class instead of art or music or whatever. And I didn't want to do those. So I opted to do that class. I had to fill out an application <laughs> and put why I should be in this classroom. And I had no idea why. I just wanted to do it. Um, and I got picked to do it. It was originally only half a year. You know I'm the one that picked you, right? You did. <laughs> I created the application. You're right. But I didn't know if that would be bias. <laughs> but anyway, you picked me and I was in your room because there were two classes that did it. And so you picked me to be in your room. At first, it was only half the year. So you put me in there. And I remember, I don't know, I think this was the first day we sat in a circle. And we were all in a circle and you gave me a roll of toilet paper and you just told me to hold it. So I'm holding it and I'm waiting and then here comes this crazy person rolling out of the bathroom and rolled right beside me. I thought I was going to lose some fingers. And I was like, what? Okay. Didn't, didn't worry about it. And you told me to roll it and say something about myself. And we rolled it around. And that's when I met Carly. I didn't know who she was. I just knew her name was Carly. Didn't hear her say anything. Kind of sort of confused. But then we moved on. And then later you paired us because me and Brooke both were in your class. And you said, I'm going to give you a partner. And we did everything with that partner. And you picked Carly for me which was terrifying, not going to lie, because she didn't talk, and I didn't know what to do as an eighth grader. How do I talk to this person? 
So you taught me just kind of slowly how to interact with her, how to teach her. At first, we just did scrapbooking mostly. Scrapbooking and cooking were our number two things. <laughs> and we just did those fun things together. And then half the year was over. And I'm pretty sure I was begging and pleading to stay because I was supposed to go on to a new class. And I was like, please don't kick me out of your class. And you convinced, I guess, our principal to let me stay. And I stayed the whole year in your class, seventh period. And after that, probably after the first semester, I knew that not just a teacher, but I was going to have to be a special ed teacher of some sort. I didn't really know all the layers to it and that there are multiple types. And so I kind of decided that day, I guess, that that's what I was going to do. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I was going to figure out how to do it. So I went on eighth grade. Graduation was the worst day of my life because that meant Carla and I weren't in school together anymore. And that was awful. I never wanted to do that because you said, well, she'll be in Apollo eventually, but not until I was a senior. So we were going to have three years separate. And I remember thinking she's going to forget about me and I'm not going to have this friend anymore. And I just couldn't handle it. So that was awful. But I moved on. Came, I think I came to your room every Friday after that. And we did breakfast together. My mom didn't work on Friday morning. So she brought me early. We did breakfast. And then I went to school in high school. So I went through Apollo, and lo and behold, I did peer tutoring again as a junior senior for every class. I think I had it four times as a senior. Every <laughs> I was like, can I do it again? Um, and I was in Carly's class again, which was, you know, the perfect thing ever. So the senior year was great because she was back. We were back together, and then I had to graduate again and leave. And the whole thing went over again. We had to separate, and that was awful. But I went to Western after that. I knew I was going to go to Western for a while because that's, parents, that's where my parents went. And that's where I went. I know. <laughs> I'm just saying. I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> but then I realized they had one of the best education programs. I had asked principals of where do you, if you had to pick a teacher from any school, where would you pick? And almost all of them said Western. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm going there. But also Western and only like UK, maybe one other school really had a special education program that was good and was like known for being good. So I said, that's where I'm going. And it was close to home, which meant I can come back and forth easily. I can still run with Carly super easy, but I can also get the degree that I want. So I started at Western in 2013. Oh man, that was a long time ago. <laughs> so I started there, started my program. I didn't really start the program till junior year. And then I had the choice to either just do elementary or they did this dual cert called top prep now where I did um, half of my time was elementary classes. So just like an elementary education teacher and then half my classes were as a special ed teacher. And I ended up certifying in LBD. I could have done LBD and MSD together, but I chose to do elementary and the LBD together to learn what it's like as a regular ed teacher and then as a special ed teacher to kind of help me know what my students are supposed to be know, like what they would be learning otherwise. Right. So I did that program. It was super hard because it was a lot. It was virtually two majors at once. Graduated in 2017, and then I moved to Louisville. Sad day. Because I got married and my husband was in school there, still in school there. <laughs> so we live in Louisville now and now I teach in Bullitt County and I am an EBD teacher at an elementary school in Bullitt County. And I teach mostly kindergarten, first grade, and third grade currently. Wow. So long journey. Mm -hmm. You gave us a play-by-play, -play, which I love. You're welcome. <laughs> So, you know, I really want to dive in deep um, for this episode because there's so many layers to you um, that I want to make sure that everybody can kind of grab a hold of to. So you do you contribute your role as a peer tutor in building not only how to build a relationship with those with disabilities, but also building your future career? 
Absolutely. And what's the one thing that if you could, what did you learn as a peer tutor? Well, I learned a lot of things, but I think the number one thing is that regardless of the student that I was with, so there's a stigma that like Carly specifically, that you couldn't communicate with her or couldn't have a friendship like you could with another student because she couldn't talk to you in, with her voice. I mean, she could talk with her signs, but that's not what people assume. And so I learned really fast that regardless of the person, everyone was exactly capable of the exact same relationship. You could be just as good friends, just as close, share inside jokes. They were just the same as me. It just might have taken a little bit different, a little bit extra work, but the work was worth it in the end. And I'm going to try not to get emotional, but I don't, man, peer tutoring is powerful because not only did it shape you, but it changed Carly so much. So, um, you know, Carly's still in our lives. Um, she was a student. I had her, I mean, I've known Carly just as long as I've known you and Carly is still in my life. Um, what I seen Carly do when she was around you was completely become a girl, a, a, a young lady who valued a relationship that was as, if not just as strong with a family. And that's what you want for every person with a disability to find that relationship that becomes so natural and so enduring in, in, sometimes they go without that and what you are able to provide her Carly has has been able to say three words in her entire life for okay yeah because dad okay yeah four words three of those I knew very well before you entered her life and that Carly was able to say she can say mom she can say dad and she can say Kay which is for Caitlin her sister then she met you and you taught her how to say law. And to this day, that is your Facebook it is, name yes. is law. It is. Most people, when you came to work for Puzzle Pieces, um, we missed that most valuable part because you Sorry. also worked with me. Go back. Um, but everybody knew you as, known you as law and mm-hmm. still to this day you have that yeah i walked in here today and every person referred to me as law that knew me they said hey law and people that your name yes yes it is and you motivated carly to be able to learn that in a way that has never motivated her motivated her in any way before because she wanted to be able to request you. She wanted to be able to talk about you. And she obsessed about you. Um, and then there was another thing that I want everybody to understand about you that you've done. Oh, well, there's so many. You created another bond with Carly um, after it happened in peer tutoring. Mm-hmm. Um, eighth grade year. Man, eighth grade year was, was a big power, year. Big it was year. a big year for me. We watched the team Hoyt. Yes. Um, video. They were on Oprah. Man, I remember that. Oprah, shout out to you. Um, they were Team Hoyt and a father. So he, the father and his son, um, the son had cerebral palsy, and they started to race in triathlons and 5Ks and stuff, and he pushed him in a special jogging stroller. 
and I will, and you are a runner. Mm-hmm. I, I showed you this because I showed you and Carly this when I had artillery motives behind it intentions, but we showed it to you in the classroom because you ran cross country, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you're really good at it. I, sure. Thanks. I mean, from what I remember. For as an eighth grade, I would say yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I remember watching you all watch this because I was behind mm-hmm. you all and it was like that big screen and you turn it maybe you're halfway through the video mm-hmm. and you turned and there was tears coming down your like I want to cry there's tears coming down your face and you said I want to do this I want to do this with Carly and there was not even like a hesitation as an eighth grade student the bond that you had already built with her you wanted to do that for her and Carly was over there like yeah yeah like she's about to come out of her chair yes she was ready because when you said that you wanted to do it then it became your and Carly's thing Mm -hmm. and still to this day how many years we've been running that started in technically 2009 so 11 years 11 years when you went through college you would come back to run Mm -hmm. you live in Louisville Carly lives in Owensboro you come back to run Mm -hmm. and Carly gets out of her wheelchair. She goes in a special jogger. And in that moment, you create a playlist for her, right? Yeah, we have a running playlist called our running jams. So tell me what that, how do you know, how did you build that? Like how, what goes through your mind when you're running with Carly? And it's called an, it's a nonprofit organization. It is, yes. Called what? Team Carly. Yes. Just like Team Hoyt, but we have to name it after her. Yeah, and it was centered around you and Carly. Yes. We raised money that year because those strollers are expensive. We sold those awesome, awesome T-shirts with our beautiful face on the front. I still have it. It's actually in a quilt because I can't wear it anymore. Um, but I remember that because my first thought was it's not, not that it's not fair, but she wants to do that. And under typical circumstances, that's not something she's going to be able to do as fast. She can roll herself in a race. By all means, go right ahead, girl. And she would, 100%. But she wanted to go fast. And so I knew that I had the ability to do that. Like, I have two legs that work really well. And I have the desire to run already, which is very important when it comes to running. And I was like, let's do it. And I people ask me about this all the time, especially because our half marathon is in two weeks. And they're like, you're going to run 13 miles and you're going to push her? I'm like, yeah, why not? And then they always ask me the why. Like, why are you? Her mom, Kathy, still thinks I am <laughs> absolutely nuts. And I tell her, and I tell this to everybody, if I don't show up, she doesn't get to run. Like, it's as simple as that. If I don't show up, she's going to have to sit on the sidelines unless she chooses somebody else to run with her. Which, which she is won't. not going to no. happen. <laughs> she's done it, I think, once, maybe twice. I've either been sick or hurt. And she's still, I'm always like, joke, like, mom's going to push you. And she shakes her head no and says my name. I'm like, you're right. I'm just kidding. But if I don't show up, she doesn't run. And so I'm tired and I'm hot and I'm ready to throw up sometimes. But then I look down and she'll look up at me. And, she, and I'm like, okay, we have to keep going. We cannot stop. And she doesn't like to walk. Mm-mm, we don't walk. We don't like to walk. We are running because we run away. So we do walk, but that's a separate situation. So that's, and that's what I had to say yesterday when I was running by myself. Because it's hard to run by yourself now. The motivation is for her. If I don't have her, I'm not going to run. And I don't think I would run as a 20, almost 25-year-old today if she wasn't there. Reminding me that we got to do this. And she will remember that we have a race. And she will funny story i puked once in a race because it was too hot way too hot she still remembers the road and where it was because we pass in the car and she says la and then signs for vomit and i'm like okay thank you but 
one, the memories we have of the races, because no one gets to see what we do the whole time. And I'll just let you know, it's a party. Always. It's always a party. I run beside her. I don't run behind her anymore. I've learned how to run beside the stroller so that we're even together and we're running together. I'm not pushing her. We run together, if that makes sense. No, I've seen it. It's yeah. pretty f- amazing. And that's why I want them to realize that is what building a relationship. Mm-hmm. You And you said it, your purpose has become her. to so many different levels and that is what every special education teacher you know like now you're a special education teacher building those relationships and hopefully impacting and building inclusion as it relates Mm -hmm. because you know what important that was for you of being included in a peer tutoring program that it literally changed Carly's life Mm cool thing so we got a phone call so because of team carly and team hoyt um so i'm the i'm lucky to be able to be part of team i don't go there i'm not a runner i'm like oh y'all dream big i'll make it happen for (laughs) you all so that i just i cheer you all on one day um yeah one day so not anytime soon um we get a phone call and katie kirk show is yes. going to feature have a story on Rick Hoy and they wanted team they heard about Team Carly and the nonprofit and we now have oh man like probably like nine runners I'd now I'd say at least nine nine runners so we grow we have grown and we have nine runners and that started with you and so now other runners push mm-hmm. individuals um, in five k events mm-hmm. but you went on the Katie Kirk show yes. and you got to experience that with Carly right yes tell us a little bit about that oh man well that was a crazy experience for one she'd never been on a plane so we'll just start basic experience that was kind of terrifying her mom hates planes sorry Kathy she hated them so she put me with Carly like you got her I can't handle this so they flew us there we got there I don't remember it was in the summer so we got there and we had the day to just kind of be tourists so we got to like go to the we went to the Statue of Liberty. We went to Times Square. Because it's New York, right? Yes. Okay. And we went to the 9-11 Memorial, and we went to Central Park. We did everything we could in one day because the next day we had to do videotape, like, the segment that comes before the Katie Couric Show to introduce us. We videotaped us, Kathy and I talking about Carly, Carly and I talking about our running and all those things. And then we went on the show, which they didn't realize we had never met Team Hoyt. I was like, well, no, we've never met them. We've set, We've got their picture. We've we've seen them on the video but we've never met because they live in Massachusetts and so before the show we got to meet them which Carly about lost her mind because she recognized that they <laughs> the were the same she yeah. was like no one I know you but we are the same because he was in his chair she was in hers and she's pointing at the wheels like and pointing at herself I'm like I know you're the same and that was just for her huge because and while we are close as we could ever be I don't relate to her in that way but he did and she one love that and then Kathy they got to talk as parents of about their children and then I'm just like a bystander but so we met them and then we were on the show the big thing they talked about I think that's when he was retiring from marathon running and so they're like recognizing the new big pusher for the marathons um, and they wanted to just talk about how they've inspired people throughout the years and so they found us somehow when I was real Kentucky <laughs> And so they just asked us kind of how they inspired us. And I explained a similar story of we watched you in our middle school classroom. Carly recognized that you were the same. And I knew that we had to do that some way. So we're not related. People think we are. I said, but 
um, I just knew we had to do it. And so since then, we've just kind of followed in your footsteps. I said, we've not done an Ironman, and I don't know if we will, but I said. But you have done a triathlon. We have multiple times. And you learned, you found a, you swam with her. Yes. In a, she's in a boat. She's in a boat, and you strap a rope over your chest, yes. and you swim, and you're not a swimmer. No. But you did it for her. I did, yes. And I mean, that all, it's just mind-blowing to me, like, even thinking back that, I, like, I got to see that. I got to see you all grow up together. Mm-hmm. And probably one of the, so, triath- I mean, yeah, silly. You learned how to swim and to tug. I knew how to swim. I just don't like to swim. Yeah. Well, you didn't do the biking part. Y'all had a I've, relay team, right? I've done right? the biking, but I don't do it with her because this course in particular has got a very terrifying hill, and I don't feel comfortable safety-wise if we could find one that didn't have that crazy hill, I would be all for it. But I don't like to do that. all three segments yes. with her. I've done all three, and then I do swim with her. She switches chairs while I bike, and then I come back and I pick her up for the run. Yeah, pretty flipping amazing. The other thing, and then we're gonna get into teaching. Um, I don't want to stop this this episode. Um, Carly, uh, I was an attendee. Um. I don't think that people can understand the relationships that you built and how it changed your entire life and her life. And that was the day I got to see that when I attended your wedding. Mm. Carly was in your wedding. Yes. And she wasn't a flower girl. No, she's too old to be a flower girl. Exactly. Right? Right. And she's too close to be a flower girl. And so what was she in your she wedding? She was a bridesmaid. And you incorporated her in Every single, the pictures, every single avenue, you centered your wedding around Carly, Yeah, basically. I made the lineup to make sure she could have a spot. Because the church has a lot of stairs. And I was like, mm-mm, that's not going to work. So I made sure to where she ended up, there would be no stairs on her way. And I offered her the chance to roll herself down the aisle. Because my bridesmaids walked in individually. So I gave her the opportunity, you can roll yourself in. Or if you want me to have somebody to push you in so you can hold your flowers, whatever you prefer. She chose to be pushed in because my cousins are super cute boys. Well, and she loves some boys. Yeah. <laughs> so she was pushed in by her choice. I said, whatever you want to do, I will make them wait or you can roll, have some money. And so we did that. And then I remember we played, my husband's Mexican for the clarification. So we play mm-hmm. games in the reception. We played a game pretty much like musical chairs. And so we are like running around holding my dress and pushing her around these chairs so that we can play musical chairs together. But yeah, it was the best day. Well, and I just want to say, again, like, I'm sitting here in awe because, you know, I I feel like I have a little bit of part of your life, a little bit. But I don't think that people can ever grasp what I saw in that wedding and any attendee. It was full inclusion and acceptance of people like you just mentioned. You, you're... I, I, I mean, I'm still, like, I can remember your wedding like it was yesterday, even though I still think you're a little kid. Um. The individual that you married is Mexican, mm-hmm. and his father mm-hmm. is a preacher. Yes, and spoke in Spanish. Yes. Then you had another preacher that spoke in English. No, he did both. Oh, he did both. He trains. I translated it and helped him learn how to. Re- he wanted to do the whole thing because that's his son. Right. So we translated it for him and helped him read it because he he's been in America for a little bit, so he does not completely confused. But we helped him learn how to say all the words so he could do both halves. Yeah. I- so you did English I mean, to I'm me, still speechless. And not only that, when you were in college, you took a sign language course. Every course I could. And you became a sign language interpreter. 
basically. Well, kind of. I mean, you even went on, you interpret. I did interpret the national anthem at Westerns. All the football, football game. games. Yeah. Yes. And in, so in doing that, you became connected into the, the community, um, the deaf community. Mm-hmm. And also at your wedding, you had someone interpreting in yes. sign language the vows of your wedding. Yes. I had deaf friends in attendance, so. Again, can I just say, and how old are you? 24. 24, the life that you lived from the time that you were in eighth grade. Again, I'm just going to say because you're amazing and that started in my classroom. <laughs> um, from the time you're 14 to the time that you're 24, the things that you accomplished, that all started with a relationship with a person mm-hmm. with cerebral palsy who's nonverbal and you speak her language more than anybody else could ever mm-hmm. dream about speaking a language. Um, which let's get even deeper into, I look at y'all's relationship that my brother has mm-hmm. a disability and that's inspired me to be um, a special education teacher and further into my career and a lot of things. But when I see you and Carly and all of the other relationships that you developed along the way, that's what I wanted for my brother. So mm-hmm. that mentor program was more about me watching a relationship built so that my brother could have friendships um, that were that were strong, just as strong as mine, his relationship, right. that he didn't have to be. He was building a social community around him mm-hmm. um, and not just around our family. And that's what we want for all of those with disabilities. And so yeah. somehow you bridged that for me and inspired me in ways that I don't think you could ever imagine. Um, and so... I say my brother inspires me a lot, but you became a special education teacher mm-hmm. inspired by the relationship with Carly. Yes. Basically. Yes. Tell me, what was it becoming a special education teacher? Rem- my hardest year was my first year teaching. Hardest by far. We've had a lot of conversations since yes. you've been a teacher in the last three <laughs> years. Lots of FaceTime videos yes. and things happening. Your love for Carly, what you developed in that relationship going to college, first year teaching, if there is any first year teachers out there or parents, what was it like? What did you learn in that year that you can give nuggets walking away? I learned lots of things. For preface, I did start as a fifth grade teacher initially, waiting for the special ed job to open up. Thank goodness for my other degree. Um, but it didn't matter because the thing, one of the things I learned first was the support from people in my building, but also the parent support. So parents are just kind of like an unknown factor of teaching. They don't really talk about it in schools, but parents can be awful, but they can also be super, super helpful. And so I learned how important it was to build a relationship with the kids, but also their parents, because there are some things that I couldn't figure out and I had to ask the parents for help. Like what, tell me what's going on. Cause I only see the kids six hours a day. What's going on the rest of the day? Is there something I need to know? Is there something going on home that will affect our day here? I had a very difficult student at the beginning, um, my first year, of course, and no one could crack her. We couldn't figure out what it was, and I finally just reached out to her mom, and I was like, what's going on? And I found out some very sad details about her life that was explaining what was going on in school. And so that's when I realized her mom's relationship with me was the only thing that made the difference. I mean, I was putting everything I could into her. What can I do? What Trying to build that relationship. We ate lunch together every day, bringing her special treats, anything I could do. And then I realized that about her, and I was like, oh, now I know. And so that would be something I'd say to every teacher. Reach out to those parents because they can make your life 
harder at the beginning because they might bug you to death. But those <laughs> are the parents that are also probably the most helpful because mm-hmm. they were they told me things I couldn't have figured out otherwise. Um, so that would be number one for sure. But as far as if your child is in a, stu- a t- first year teacher's classroom, they can be scary because some, I mean, as a person who works in a school where most people are the age of my they could almost be my parents, and they hate it because they're like, "How God, are you? you're so young." I know they're like, "Are you 15?" I'm like, "No, I'm. I promise, I did graduate." <laughs> um, so there's not very many first year teachers. By many, I mean I'm the only one. I'm not a first year anymore, but still, three years compared to at least ten or more for the rest is very little. Um, and so they might assume I don't know what I'm doing. And they're in part they are correct. I'm still new. I'm not going to say I know it all. I don't know it all. I learn something new probably every week. Like, oh, I should have done that better. Um, but the one thing I have that some of them don't have is I still love my job. Like I want to be there every day and I'm going to do everything I can for my kids and for the people that I work with. Like you might tell me this kid can't do this. You watch, they're going to do it. And I'm going to show you how we're going to do it. I'm going to figure it out. So the perk I'd say for first year teachers, we have way more joy. We are so excited to be there and we will do, we will move mountains for your kids. And that can be lost. I hope and pray that I never lose that. That's probably a goal of mine to make sure that stays but we want to be, we want to do what we can, and so that's huge for students because we will move mountains for them. But also make sure you communicate. I mean, communication is huge between parents and teachers for the success of your kid at home and at school. They need to be communicating what what's going on at home. What can we do to help that? And also, if something's not working at home, tell me. If it's working at home, I need to know because maybe we can try that. Because I I mean I am the teacher and I did go to school for this, but it doesn't mean that I have every strategy. Well, I think that. Um how many times in the three years that you've been teaching and you just said, I hope I never lose that excitement of mm-hmm. I love my job. How many times in the last three years have you had a channel back of why you started? Like in bringing back mm. the thoughts of are these students like Carly? I'd say oh, a lot. Well, the first year when I taught fifth grade, it wasn't as this much just because it was a different, completely different atmosphere than when I now when I'm teaching special ed. Um, But I think I had a student in that class that they put him in my class because they knew that I had a special ed background. They're like, he's never been able to stay in a classroom before. We're going to try you. We want him to stay. And I was like, bring him on. And he was one of my, like, we were best buds. And I was like, you're staying. And Mm -hmm. I had to move in that year. That was the year that I switched jobs and it had to be in the middle of the year. And we were tour because he was finally in class all day long. And I looked at his special teacher. I was like, I'm sorry that I have to leave, but I pray that this new teacher can keep this up. Um, And that was, he was the first year he'd ever been student of the month. It was the first year he'd ever made it from start to finish in a reg ed classroom. And he'd never been able to do it because the teachers weren't willing to work or whatever, whatever happened. I don't, I'm not really sure, but he stayed all day, every day. And he didn't want to leave. Like he had to leave to go get his services and like, you gotta leave. (laughs) But I was like, you're going to come back. It's okay. Um, And so that was the first time as a reg ed teacher that I was like, this is why that I need to switch jobs because that's who that's the only person I wanted to work with I was like I love you all but that was my that was my niche and I knew it and I just had to find a way to get into it so you bring up a great next um point again I don't want this episode to end but we're gonna have to I have two last questions that I want to make sure that we um do and that is you talked about being um, probably in a co-teaching role where you mm-hmm. were in fifth grade and, and the significance of that impact of the student that you just had. And then also you being um, going back to eighth mm-hmm. grade. 
what is where do you stand on inclusion of how important it is to look at an inclusion model and or how to be more inclusive in the educational setting Hmm. I love me some inclusion. Now, that that was the issue with that student. Teachers didn't want him in their classroom. And I fought. I was like, keep him in here. And I, as long as it's safe, there were times that it might not have been as safe for him or my other students. And he needed to take a break or to be to be able to leave. But I'd say at every chance they can, they need to be with their regular ed peers because he learned so many things just being around them and watching the way they do school that he can't learn in his special ed classroom. Like, nothing against it. I love his teacher to death. He is an awesome teacher. But there's just things he can't do unless he has kids doing typical fifth grade things that he, he just needed to see them. And so I've always said, and that's how my class now is not self-contained. So my kids come in and out all day long. And so I fight this battle a lot of they don't want them in there necessarily because they might be what they call a distraction. But I've seen kids, which this is going to blow your mind, a kid just like me who grabbed my student and they are best friends. And I was like, that's me. Oh my gosh. Now they're not the same. He's verbal. He's not in military or anything, but everyone knows who he is because he's just a little bit different than the rest. And they're kind of scared sometimes to come up, talk to him. They don't know what to do. And that boy in his class has become his best friend. And that's the reason my kid goes to class. He goes because he wants to see his friend. He wants to sit with his friend. He wants to work with his friend. And that reminded me why inclusion was I mean, it changed my student's life, but also that other one, because now I've told him every time I can of the difference he's made to my student. I'm like, he goes to class and he missed all kindergarten, first grade because he couldn't be in his classroom. And so as a second grader, we were starting as a kindergartner because we just couldn't get in class. He's now a third grader and he is in class full time. He comes out when I need him, right? but he's in class full time, partially because of the work we did to get him in there. But then his peer who would have never met him otherwise are now best friends and we've almost got him in the lunchroom which to some is not a big deal but for this no. kid who's never eaten in the lunchroom before is huge. huge he's contemplating it he's not gone but he's like i want to but i'm scared but i want to right and so include i mean there are some kids that might it might not work and that's okay but if they want to and they can they need to be with their peers well and i think Everything that you just said and a, a thing that I stand for 100%, I say all the time, it's got to be meaningful and it's got to be yeah. purposeful. It can't just be dumping the individual right. with the disability into in the a classroom. Right. So it sounds like you've done that very well. And we were very intentional about mm-hmm. how we did that with you and Carly yeah. and all of the other students at the time as well. Mm-hmm. So. Oh my gosh, we have to wrap for um, today, but what an inspiration, it it just, it channels back all of my inner spirit of, man, what we can do with the light, like making an impact on people. Mm -hmm. And I think too many times we worry about how do we do that and what our fears of what building a relationship with someone mm-hmm. with a disability sometimes get in our way where yeah. you just stripped it all away and you figured it out along the way. And what a blessing I know that you do for your students now all because of the relationship you started 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I have loved watching you grow and become the woman that you are. And I know that you're going to continue to do amazing things and maybe we can eventually have you back on the show. 
I'll come back. <laughs> and you'll make the travel. Can I have yeah. double the time, though? Maybe we can work we out that. We have too much catching up to do to do this yeah. in a short time. But you should feel privileged because you made it on season one. <gasps> so you, you're one of I'm my top honored. picks for season one. Because you're a huge piece of, of the journey that I've lived. You and are, too. I tell, talk about you every time. How'd you get in this field? Well, this teacher in middle school let me come in her classroom and <laughs> let me do what I wanted. And now I have a friend, and she was my teacher, my boss, and a mentor. I went through all the stages. Yeah, because you came and worked at Puzzle Pieces, the nonprofit I that I created. Oh, yeah. I want to come back here and work. Yes, you can anytime. So um, if you like today's episode, um, please go on to piecesofme.org and get a free download of some of the top nuggets, I guess, that Lauren was able to share today of building a relationship, a meaningful relationship with someone with a disability. It would mean so much to me if you were to like, comment, and or share this podcast, if it inspired you to be more or something that provided you hope, something I said, if it resonated with you, I would be very honored and appreciative if you were to do that because I do this for you. Also, make sure that if you haven't, you subscribe and follow Pieces of Me on anchor.fm or subscribe on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other of your favorite podcast platforms. Thank you.